The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a momentwithmorris.com and blackblueprints.com. That's blackblueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Barry Axis. In the building, family. This is the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Where we get together and address everything going on out here in this life, in yes. this traffic, yes, in these streets. In these <laughs> streets. Stuff that we feel not only we, as in myself and Barry, but we as in everybody should be saying something about. Man, it's a lot to say. And this is episode 27. Coming on 40, baby, soon enough. <laughs> episode 27, which you can always find on SoundCloud.com. You can go to Say Something Podcast with Jermaine Morris and Barry Axius, and we right there. We right there. Like it, share it, comment, tell a friend. We appreciate tell friend, it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We appreciate it. Lots going on out here in this life, out here in the traffic. Anything particular you uh, notice? Shouts out to my, our brother, Zoe Williams, holding it down. The Zoe What Show, the voice of a great reason. brother, yeah. great brother, voice he, of a reason. He, he uh, fifty one fifty nation. Yeah, definitely. He held me down when I was in L. A. I actually jumped on the show, jumped on the show. I was kind of surprised. He was like, "You getting on the show, right?" I was like, "Uh, uh yeah, yeah." <laughs> Had to catch a flight, but jumped on the show. He, um, you know, held me down. Had some beautiful queens with him. Always was up. Yeah, so is always was up. So, so that was good. Um, I do appreciate when brothers don't be Hollywood and brothers hold each other down or sisters hold each other down so that was good so definitely we need to get him back up here in sacramento so i had to just give a, a big shout out to my brother yeah it down while i was in la brother zoe he came up uh, a couple years back he did our manhood mentoring conference came that up is sacramento. coming soon yeah he came to sacramento and it was one of the the panelist speakers breathed a lot of good life into the young young men that were there uh, wrote a great book, The Relationship Dismount. Get it. Uh, sticking the landing after leaving a uh, toxic relationship. And he got one coming up to uh, The holographic uh, relationship. Already got my pre-order in. I support the brother. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, good, good, good dude. Good dude. Uh, lots going on out here that, that keeps us uh, entertained, keeps us watching the screen, listening to the radio. Talking about screen before we really get into it, did you see All Eyes on Me? I have yet to see it. I have yet to see it. Uh, I realistically, on all honesty, I have not been to a movie theater in almost nine years. Are you for real? So one hundred percent. I have not set foot in a movie theater by nine. And it's no no fire sticked out then. Nah, I'm I'm keep real like little bootleg sites. Typically, when I catch stuff, Uh, if 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 I support the movie and the people, I'll wait until I can watch it through the proper channels. Yeah. Uh, if I don't care about who it is, I just want to see the movie. There, there's some sites you can go to, okay. but I wouldn't do that to this to LT Hutton, Benny Boom, all the people involved with this. Yeah. I wouldn't bootleg this. Like yeah. I would, I would make sure that if, however I see it, they've got their funding through. They got they they pay they through. So, have you heard some of the commentary that I have heard? Yes, yes, because they came out, um, which I was a little disheartened about. Yeah, because they didn't even let the opening weekend go through. No, nah. between like fifty. Saying the movie's trash. Why would they do that? Um, two reasons, I think. One, if you were close to Pac, if you were around for the era, if you're deep in the culture, and you saw discrepancies, and you it just was sitting on you bad, you know, sitting on your heart off, that's a factor. Uh, other ones, pettiness. Outside of the game, just being petty. You know, I think 50, 50 hates everything. 50 like that little hater Muppet that was sitting in the balcony just, just hating on people. So I really don't knock the, the 50 part. Uh, the Jada stuff was, was a little deeper to me. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. I think she had some good points on it. Yeah, it's not what she said. It was when. 
like before any she saw the the pre-screen like she saw the earth like right before everybody before the world yeah. saw it yeah. and she dropped her points right before the everybody else saw it so i think there's a lot of people who already went in feeling a certain kind of way or didn't rush out to see it because this is you know right before you go the person who you know she's promoting her whole career how close she was to pop she's saying she don't like how it was portrayed i, I just think she should have waited till monday when all the reviews are in and everyone's going to talk about their their point on it, she could have just jumped in when everybody else did instead of dropping it Thursday night before the weekend, you know, about numbers went in. Um, I think that realistically, you know, the era that we live in, it doesn't matter what it is now. A person's going to put their opinion because we now have been empowered with social media. So we can say how we feel and if we have a big platform, people are going to chime in and you can actually influence. Right. And some people just kind of I think that if you think about it, we honestly go off of people's opinions more than our own instincts. Yeah. Think about it when you go to the restaurant. You ask uh, usually your server what's good on the menu. You might be thinking I want to get this, but you're usually asking them what's good on the, yeah. your menu. And most of the time, if they give you a good review on something, you're going to go buy it. Right. Yeah. So. When I heard Jada's uh, rendition, I respected the fact that she was actually saying and clarifying. And I think that Will probably looked at us like, well, y'all didn't say y'all was doing all this. Yeah, I wonder what that household looks like. Exactly, all, all right? All pop talk. You married to Will Smith. <laughs> just, just let it go. Like, wait a minute. You just said, but, I, but I, I'm happy that she was like, yo, I have a real relationship with dude. There's no reason for me to or anyone to make it more than what it was or what it wasn't. So I respected that view, right? Because yeah. if it wasn't that, then why do you need to say that? Just to sensationalize uh, the movie more? It's to still Hollywood, tickets? yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, Pac had enough of a Hollywood lifestyle in a sense of making the movie, not just Hollywood as in glamour, but just made for Hollywood kind of life that he lived. Yeah. You didn't have to glamorize because you, we saw it. A majority of us saw it, real life, real time. So I, I respected that. What I didn't like was before I could even go see the movie, everybody had their reviews up. Yeah, that, that was my point. Not what she said or what anybody said. It was when. Yeah, and the, and the fact that the negativity of it, not understanding if you were around Pac, which I was during that time. I was a youngster coming up in Marin. And um, the fact that when you see the movie, for those, spoiler alert, he goes from Baltimore to Oakland, it's like, dude, he went to Marin. He went to Marin City. You don't have to say Marin County, but you could have said Marin City, USA, because that's what they call it. Let's be authentic with those things that we know, because those were critical moments. Then from Marin City, uh, it was Oakland before, you know, he was hanging out with brothers like Ray Love, met the white girl that connected him with, uh, with Digital Underground. There's certain things that should have been put in there. I am not myself going to say, because like I said, a guy that has been around pop was actually a performed at Tupac's first record release party in San Francisco. This was crazy too. Crazy story. Dudes got thrown out the window. But that's another story to talk about. But knowing who he was. And knowing people affiliated with him. I feel like you should have just stayed authentic as possible. Regardless of it's Hollywood. Because you have six years of making this film right. You should have got it on point. But I am not going to knock it. The way other people knock it. And make it seem like it's just the worst. Most horrible movie ever. Because it really wasn't. Yeah, I think that this is where the big picture and playing the long game is important. 
it, every movie that you've ever seen where they're doing a biopic, the uh, what's the Walk the Line, Johnny Cash, that wasn't 100 percent authentic. James Brown, uh, Get On Up, uh, not 100 percent authentic. Straight Out of Compton, which did all you know nine figures globally, but not 100 percent authentic. The the important part is is that you want to be able to keep these movies being made. So when you start coming out right before the the release. And hurting the ticket sales numbers, that affects you getting the Stevie Wonder movie made. That affects you getting the Marvin Gaye movies made, that the Aretha Franklin movies made. Like that's that's where people start looking at the are these films viable and the money. Well, as soon as they come out, if these people are still alive, there's gonna be uh, comments and backlash which affects ticket sales, and then there becomes apprehension of getting these stories told. Yeah. So that's why I said it's not what you have to say. I, I don't take away anybody's validity of any other. You have a right to say whatever yeah. and feel a certain kind of way. Just let the process go a little bit so we can still keep these movies getting made and, and studios still greenlighting these projects. Because there's a whole lot of stories out there of our legends who are still alive right now. And there are people, like I said, I would love to see the Stevie Wonder story. I love to see the Rick James story. Yeah, but I'm saying, but Steve, every everyone Stevie has touched in his lifetime, I mean, from the Motown days, from from all, you know all the Smokey Robinsons, the Michael Jacksons, the Diana Ross, the Barry Gordy era, the Quincy Jones era, like all that, and he's still alive now. The new rappers that he's done projects with and experience from a man who couldn't see them, kind of like similar to the Ray Charles story. But what that dynamic was like, and all the kids, he got, I, I would be interested to see that story. Yeah. But when it, but all the people, a lot of the people he worked with are still alive. So if you're like, well, if we put a movie out, they're going to, you know, there'd be issues. That's what I don't like. Yeah. I like us to have the opportunity to keep getting these projects made, show that they're financially viable, that they're worth doing and, and, and continue that along. And, and just, you know, I say you don't have to bite your tongue forever, but at least give the movies a chance to, to do a little something. Well, I mean, Negroes have been watching and living inaccurate lives forever. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> Ten Commandments. I mean, we that has been a generational inaccuracy and people still watch it and, and live on it. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just just you were willing to bite your tongue about certain things. Don't let this be. Yeah. Don't, well, well, don't open your mouth. So to the point to where it's freezing out all other people from going to see the movie that don't know really too much about Pac or just have been kind of fair weather fans of Pac or just interested in seeing the movie. Yeah, I mean, and if you are familiar with Tupac as his legend, as his legacy, you know, he was very vocal about the things that he saw in his life and, and whether it be dealing with people on an individual basis, systemic issues. He had issues with law enforcement. He had issues with the government. He had the, the back and forth with then Vice President Dan Quayle. Uh he had a lot of things that he was vocal about systemically, which I think too many of us are not practicing. If you if you're so gung ho that you want to, you know, speak on Pac and the inaccuracies that were portrayed in his movie, how Pac like are you when you were addressing these things that are going on that he was addressing? You know, police brutality, which he was addressing in '92, is just as prevalent in 2017. But instead of being distracted by what's going on in, in movies and medias and stuff, which he was involved with, he still was able to be aware of what was happening in the street, talk about that and be involved. So I would pose the question, how many of us are, are really aware and practicing our, our activism and being involved with the problems that we're dealing with right now? Well, first of all, Pac was just you know raised in a revolutionary time, especially by his mother, you know, and that moment by itself. And I think that with music, the coming of age of hip hop was a whole different kind of era back then. It was almost 
you were the voice box, the news of the people that didn't get the proper news told. Like their story wasn't being accurately told. So he was the voice box. He was like our channel uh, uh, 13, Fox 40, before, yeah. you know, you have these news outlets. Yeah, the CNN and the streets. Yeah, definitely that. So I think where you have now with music, you don't even get that relationship from a person that can make a song about I get around to keep your head up and then tell you about what's really going on with police brutality, what's the bigger plan and bigger picture. Pac definitely was a Malcolm X before he could really internally come to Malcolm X because Pac, Pac in a moment was still a little red, uh, with Detroit Red and he was getting into more of his Malcolm, but he never was able to get there. He died at 25. Yeah. So when you look at right now, and we talk about our show is basically say something. We say that because we believe that the community, the people on the streets are seeing some of these atrocities that's happening all across the world. You need to say something and a lot of people don't say nothing. And, and the funny thing about it, they have so much to complain about, but they don't have any moment that they feel they need to move and trying to figure out, well, how should I move? Well, shit. How you move, first of all, is you change your household or you're trying to change your community. Changing that is going to help change the environments all around you. When you look at the things that are going on right now, especially here in America, like I, I don't know when us as black folk are going to really finally just get sick and tired of trying to get this white acceptance because I believe that some of the things that we're going to be talking about deeply in this show, it's all about when are, is the, the light bulb going to go off about us saying, you know what, this is how they feel. This is how they've been feeling. I've even been watching that 30 for 30 a documentary with the Lakers versus Boston. And when you yeah. watch that, yo, like this just happened in 79 where they were going back and forth with the bus, uh, the busing yeah. in Boston. It's a 79. This is in the 70s, right? Yeah. Do Negroes really believe that racism just all of a sudden disappeared? I don't know fit, if you've fit, been to Boston lately. I mean, I, it, it, no, no, no. It's it's the same. I, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So the Negroes <laughs> just believe that, oh, you know, you guys, ah, ah, that happened in 79. It's we're so blind. We're so Stevie Wondered, unfortunately, being blind to the fact that what is is what it is. And so frustrated that they don't realize it so frustrated that we can't get in why are we continuing to beg and plead to get into a system that is not designed for us that doesn't want us we have to find the ability to do our own thing i think that the that when we start talking about first off being being, being stevie wanted to the situation about being blind to how some things work is true the other one is that we're easily distracted so we can notice something and then our attention is taken. You ever seen one of them little light pins that they put on cats and they put them to the wall and the cat will run all the way into the wall because it's it becomes focused on one thing and oblivious to the others. And that's kind of how we get on subjects to where something can get us up in arms and we'll be excited or we'll be angry or we'll be frustrated. But our attention can be easily swayed. But whatever that got our attention in the first place is still staying course and doing what it was doing. Like we'll look at, you know, the, the atrocities that have gone on with our law enforcement agencies nationwide. It's not a city or a state issue. So that's when we start talking about the systemic problem, because it would be one thing if we were talking about like once upon a time, it was the issue of the corruption of the LAPD. That's a particular group of people. 
you know, that what they were doing in that particular city, you know, stop and frisk and all that stuff in New York, NYPD, a specific group of people. But if the police department in Cleveland or in Atlanta or Albuquerque were doing something different, then we could just say, OK, these are these groups of people. The problems that we're having are systemic because the same issues with NYPD are the same issues with OPD are the same issues with LAPD are the same issues with in Minnesota, the same issues in Idaho. So this is a systemic issue in the way that things are done. So those practices are still going on like the way that that this is becoming a police state. And this is the important part because we get caught up in, in the minor stuff. We get caught up in the short game. The issue where we're pretending we're a, a police state is universal. Now, black people get black and brown people get the brunt of everything. Mm -hmm. So if it's a systemic problem, it affects us more and worse because of where we are in this system structure. But it does affect white people, too. So we get hung up on the well, if this wasn't a if this was a white person, this would have went different. Or if this was this, it would have been. No, we need to look at systemically. What's the problem? Like this is a this is where law enforcement agencies are getting the opportunity. It's an opportunity to come through and just run ruckshot through civilians to, to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. And we're catching the brunt of it. But this is a problem that everyone needs to be aware of. You know, when they're pulling black people over at three in the morning, black people have always been the the, the base point when they address policies and issues in America. Like, you know, there's no way you could have gotten white people to do the Tuskegee experiment. Not at all. It would have just popped off something crazy. Not let's start with black people and see how see what happens. Let's treat black people this first and let's normalize the behavior. We've been a guinea pigs. Yeah. So let's normalize this stuff. So what's happened is, is that the, the normalization of shooting unarmed civilians, it's become standard now. Like, it, it, it's not this. When Rodney King was videotaped getting, getting beaten. That opened the eyes of a lot of people who refuse to believe that type of behavior happens mm -hmm. like they just that just doesn't happen in America. Mm -hmm. Then after you saw it, you were shocked. 2017, there are people who would prefer to get pulled over and worked over with billy clubs and still be able to go home. than what's happening now? Yeah. You know, like it, the, it's been so normalized and there are a lot of systemic things that are happening that we keep getting distracted from that we need to start paying more attention to. Well, I look at it in a simple fact when you talk about the Rodney King incident and to the points of what's happening right now and recently some of the police shootings and um, the fact that we waited for the justice system to make right some of the wrong, the fact that we actually were begging for them to do certain things like have body cameras yeah, and having those body cameras has actually done nothing. It's, they show the it, same footage as a cell phone camera show. It, it shows the same footage as a cell phone camera, and the police continue to get off. Yeah. So anything that we've asked for relatively and have they've given us, yeah. right, it's always come with a, well, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a, read the fine print. Exactly. <laughs> fine print this, loopholes. Yep. <laughs> and we've got to read the fine print. So in a sense, you go from Rodney King, he gets beat up, right, and before Black Panthers were created because of this, before people were talking about how brutal, brutal the police were and people didn't believe it, Ronnie King comes out, bam. Now you see it for the truth. Now, in the millennium, here we have where these cops are going more extreme. Now they're gunning us down. They're choking us out. 
and we're dying. So what we comes from before you can get beat up by the cops, get chased down, get roughed up and survive. Now you're getting killed. And don't get me wrong. Brothers were getting killed before back then as well. Yeah. But at the same rate, I don't know. Maybe it's the same rate because now we have we're so desensitized because we see it. And then that's the thing about when you're seeing it over and over and over again. It becomes so normal. You become so desensitized. We start putting the videos up as if it's, well, look what just happened again, guys. And it shouldn't be like that. We should not be taking that as it's, well, it's just a cop killing another black person. No. That's That's just what they do. No, no, that's not supposed to be right. And it's not supposed to be, oh, they went to trial and they beat another case. Like, that's not supposed to be right. So if the Negro cannot understand, and hear me clearly, if you cannot understand this system is not designed for you, That you must create your own system, understand what we're dealing with and what we're playing with, and know they don't like me, I don't like you, cool, and continue to build instead of begging. I think that we'll be moving in a far more better path because in the last two months, they've clearly showed you what their court system is going to do. They've clearly showed you what their henchmen are going to do. And then also, if you want to put pressure on this the, the the individuals put pressure on the system forget the police i feel the police are the pawns that are being put up in the front that have required that are paid by our tax money as well to do the brunt okay you guys already know when you do certain things you have to protect us and we're going to protect you and they're like fine as long as i get off i'm good yeah. let me do whatever when you can go in and say I felt I was in fear for my life. And no, that's like a key word for you to get off. Yeah. That's all you have to do. I'm going to use that play every time. Every time. So instead of attacking the pawns who are here doing the job, we need to go deeper and attack the system from the DA to the courts to council members to mayors. That's how you have to utilize the thing. If you want to use people and, and, and use power, get that vote. That's the time that it's like, let's vote that person out because this is going on. That's how you change. You change a system. You don't change a bunch of rogue or people that are programmed to do exactly what they're being told by a system. Who employs them? A system. So go ahead and go after them. Before I I, I bring it back to you, it's like school. If my child is in school, her teacher or his teacher is not doing the right thing. I go holler at the teacher. I don't go nowhere, right? Yeah. Then I go to the principal, right? Not getting anywhere with the principal, right? Then I go to uh, uh, to the superintendent. I not get anything from the superintendent. Then I'm going to the board. You keep on going up the stairs. Yeah. What we focus so much on is the police, the police. And I think that's a clear uh, mistake because they don't care because they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So we must go now to the system that employs them. Well, I think that's very important in, in, in addressing it systemically and going up the ladder because there's some things that are going on that we have not been paying enough attention to that are that can drastically affect us. So so kind of going to your point, one important part is uh, a thing to always remember is narrative and precedence. Mm-hmm. So narrative is the story that, that that that's told. You know, think when you were a child, it was a fairy tale. Once upon a time, you're kind of setting the stage for what the story is. So. The idea now is that black people get shot by police. That's why they use the same words when they give the story. The narrative did not comply and resisted. 
that has become the narrative. So now if a black person is shot, the first things you hear is he must have resisted or he didn't comply. That's it's now become normalized. Precedence means once something has been set and established, that then becomes the point of reference from now on. If you were a kid and you got beat for cursing, if you got spanked for, for saying a curse word, the precedence is now is that we beat you when you curse. So if you get so if you cuss two weeks later, you're expecting to get spanked because that's what's been set, that that's the, the, the A to B. So what we've got now is, is that the precedence and the narrative is that police shooting unarmed civilians is normal. If I do, if you didn't do what I said, do when I said do it, shooting you is an acceptable outcome to that situation. That 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 police state that we're in and everybody who sits there, they, I, I, I love speaking to Brother Zoe that he says all the time, you know, when uh, when America has a cold, black people have AIDS. Like when the, the, the offset to what's white America to black America. So this has become it's not a big deal yet to to Caucasian America because they're setting the precedence and the narrative that it's, it's not. It's just a matter of time before it shifts from black people aren't complying or resisting. So they're shot to People are not complying and resisting getting shot. And if you don't think that it's going to apply to you, there's some paperwork that's being shifted around the White House right now that they're trying to get passed. That has been a campaign that they started at the beginning of the year since good old Donnie, Donnie T became president. Mr. 45. Mr. 45 in his uh, quest to crack down on uh <laughs> vagrants and problematic citizens is something that they're referring to the uh, Back the Blue Act. Some of you may be familiar. I'm sure most of us aren't. And what this this act is, is that it's a bunch of it's policy, which is going to uh, give the, the federal government, uh, the federal police will have uh, final say over local officers and, and voters, meaning that what comes from up top, they can override what your local police department and sheriff department has decided. And what they want to then do is uh, give extra power into law enforcement agents. Real simple breakdown is that they're going to nearly make every local cop, sheriff, whatever law enforcement who receives any form of federal funding. Meaning if, if the federal government paid for their artillery, paid for their classes and courses, paid for the Alhambra bottle that's in the corner, any department that has received federal funding will get access to this type of blanket. Of It will then become a federal crime if you kill, attempt to kill, or conspire to kill any type of, of law officer. So for some people are like, well, that's how it's supposed to go. No, this is when you start walking about the, the policies that go on. If you're driving a getaway car, if you're trying to get away from the car, from a cop, and you drive anywhere that they deem is near them, that's attempted murder with your automobile. So you may just be on a hit and run. You just maybe you got two strikes and you're trying to bolt out. You have no part of you is trying to make contact with any part of them. But if they're bumping you and you bump back on their car, he, he just tried to take me out with his car. That's now a federal offense. You're getting an automatic dime to whatever you was running from to begin with. You know, if you in conspiracy to kill, you can't even talk about it. You talk about doing damage to cop. They want to make that a federal offense. Here's the other side of the coin for this and why it's a systemic issue. And when we worry about becoming a police state is they want to give protection, federal protection to all uh, local and sheriff's departments and all that. What that means is that the law enforcement departments will be protected civilly 
from citizens, even if they're found in the wrong for egregious behavior. Mm. What that means is all these cases where the family is getting civilly cashed out for for uh, unlawful killing of an of a unarmed man or whatever. Oh, they settled with this for that. Law enforcement won't have to do that anymore. There will be no cash out. There will be no civil liability. There will be full uh, federal backing and protection for all these uh, law enforcement, which means they can shoot you on the street. There'll be no recovery. You won't get anything from them, but they can double down and do anything to you. Mm. And if the rest of society thinks that it's going to just stick with black and brown people, you are misguided as hell. Well, the funny thing about it is when you break down all those different things, while everybody's complaining about Tupac and worried about who's getting drafted, what team, and all the other you know things that we worry about, because the Negro loves to be entertained. Yeah. You know? I mean, Negro loves to be entertained. We are our drug of choice is really entertainment besides the drugs. Yeah. You know, entertainment, party, let's pretend everything is good. A few Negroes got money, don't have to worry about that. I'm not dealing with it until it is home. The one scary part about they're talking about not being liable. Yeah. Is the fact that at the end of the day, most of these police when they're acquitted Usually it's because a deal was struck, right? Yeah. Most of the times, nine times, eight times out of ten, a deal is struck. So it's almost kind of like, all right, we're going to give you this money back up off us. And then they get the money, the families. It's almost kind of like, well, it's never going to bring back our loved one, but at least we got something to move us forward, right? Yeah. Now we get the money. We back away. Yeah, you have to. When, yeah. Just just for people to know, when you take the check, yeah. you then no longer can speak out about the department and, and all. It it's a payment, all it's a payoff. Yeah, just so people time. know, they're like, how come so and so parents no, don't speak? In? Well, no, some people don't know that. When they say, how come they, you, we don't hear from these parents anymore? Nah. How come we don't hear from these brothers or sisters or kids? Because once you take the settlement, you then are now on hush. So hush so, so just 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 so it's we put money. that up. So you got to think about the hush money. Now, what does that mean? It's like. Even in a simple fact, we can't get our loved one. We can't even get no money to, to help whatever the deceased have left, whether it's yeah. their kids, whether someone they was taking care of, their girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever. That changes the game because you can't win either or. Because yeah. even if you don't have a civil lawsuit, you're not going to win because the system has been designed to protect the police and it's giving them more protection by these laws that they're trying to put and I do feel that there'll be a lot of pushback, but we have to start pushing back right now. We can't yeah. even suggest these things to even be put on a bill, right? Because if we do, the funny thing about it, the when they do it and how they do it and how they manufacture it and how much support police really do. The one thing about it is blue lives, it's not a game. It's like they really have... I would say just as much backing, if not more, and people that are in position to help move and navigate and protect the police as Black Lives Matter. The police department is the biggest gang in America. Yeah, most definitely. And when Tupac said it a long time ago, people looked at it like it was crazy. But it's the truth, though. Yeah. The police are the biggest gang, but they are backed up <laughs> right by the biggest corporation white supremacy yeah. so with that being said of course we're going to try to create something that not only puts more fear in the people that the fear or 
the outbreaks and outrage that we've had in the last couple of years, it won't take place. Yeah. That you won't be able to be out and have a Ferguson, right? You won't be able to no. do that. No. There's no way. That's You're not going to be able to go ahead and speak out and say accountability, transparency. So really what they're doing is trying to shut the people's voice down. Yeah, and for people who think about that bill that they're trying to propose, who think like, oh, man, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in my area. Here's the thing how these things work. It's you pre- you present almost like when you're doing a negotiation. You ever want to get a job They ask you how much should you be paid? Say if the, if the average salary is twelve dollars an hour at your particular job, whatever you come in asking for 19. I mean, you come in, let's just aim high and then we'll negotiate down. You know how much you want to buy that for? You know, you, that's how you, you start with your negotiation. So you get these big bills that have all these big things in them and then it gets whittled and worked down. To a particular bill that is acceptable that gets passed. So you start with this big old stuff. We want full protection to the law enforcement department. You can't say anything back at them. You can't do anything. No kind of recovery. If they F up, none of that. Oh, man, we American people ain't going to go for that. But they may go for 20 percent of that, 30 percent of that. Now we've got a little chip started. Then we're going to present that bill minus the 30 percent we got next year. Well, here's the thing. And then about we would just say, but when you keep willing it down year after year, after enough time, if you don't get ahead of it and there's no resistance and there's no putting up, you'll get there. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about it. And it was funny. I, when I went to L.A., was doing a training with some of the, just some of the work that we do, crime survivors and things like that. Um, my brother, Robert Rooks, he uh, broke down some real powerful stuff. And he was basically like, you know, how certain bills get put in place. How the narrative of of crime and the war on crime, how yeah. that whole thing kind of factored it in, the fear element of it, how yeah. it's programmed to us. He said it was three things that push these things, push these these agendas of it. Like you know, he said politicians, law enforcement. Then I was like, he said the third one is what? I'm like, we're looking at my uh, the victims, and he's like, yeah, the victims. When you frame something like this, they're going to create such a fear based agenda that makes you believe because in one particular time, we all thought lock all these mother effers up. Right. Because remember when we went back and I said poly class, the poly class thing in Petaluma. Right. All you heard was the white girl. She got kidnapped. She got raped. And here was this white guy that got let go that shouldn't have been. On parole or nothing, yeah. he came and swooped her up, and we're like, take all these criminals to jail. But what it did was do what? It locked up a majority of color folk, right? Yeah. So this law gets put into place because of the fear. And in a sense of the fear, when we're not challenging actual the law, the same thing will be done with this police bill. They will frame it as if it's protecting you. Exactly. It's, it's not protecting really well, the police. If, you, if you're not a criminal, you. it shouldn't matter to you. Exactly. If, if you're not committing crime, you shouldn't care. You shouldn't worry. If you have nothing against the police, it should be okay. And that's how every single time when you break down how this America even became what it is today, it's always been defined by creating a baseline of fear that projects to the people that shouldn't even fall in line to it, they should be like, oh, hell no, because one day it could be me in that position. Yeah, and going right with what you said, and and, and this is 
If you don't think that that's true or if you're not aware of how that works, the number one thing they teach you when you do advertising and marketing, the campaign is a fear safe campaign. If you ever watch a commercial, the, the first thing will happen is, is uh, the little kids are playing in the room and the lamp breaks. Oh, no. Everybody's scared that, that they're never going to be able to put this family lamp back together. So then here comes this brand new safety, you know, crazy glue that can put it right back to the way it was. You know, you're driving down the street and your car breaks down and you're late. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Here's this tow truck company that will come in and save you and get you off the busy freeway. Right. Fear safe is the campaign that they promote everything yeah. in this country. Well, I mean, it's like, I think a lot of us are used to seeing it, but we don't really contextualize what that really looks like. Like we're just so used to seeing things. We're so used to narratives. Like that's why how our cartoons are set up, yeah. our movies, our, the, the resolution always has to be there. They do a thing where they test for movies when they do screenings and that there's almost a, it's a beat that a movie has to follow. And if the result does not fit what the normal beat is, they, they reshoot the ending because people leave feeling a certain kind of way about it. Like there has to be a, a, a fear, a problem, and there has to be that safe resolution for the American society to really accept it. Yeah. That's the campaign we do for everything. And then so, going into that and going into that. They did the same thing with like the Tupac movie. They did the same thing with the NWA. Every movie. movie. You know, Every movie. It's like Dr. Dre was this Superman. He was this great. No. He was, the, he was the voice of reason. Listen, listen, he was a woman beater. He was like, a, like, an be alcoholic real. drug using exactly. woman beater. Yeah, like, let's be, oh, Tupac. I don't do cocaine. Uh, Pac sniffed a little blow in his no. day. You know what I mean? So I, Pac was against all drugs. He sold a little dope in his day as well. The framework that we create and we buy into it and why you have to say something because if you honestly believe that this bill that's going to come up is going to be for the best interest of the people because here's what's going to end up happening people who object to um when protesters are out stopping freeways or stopping BART systems yeah. or just doing everything they do or looting as they say rioting as they say this now comes into fold with all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, uh, that's going to stop right then and there. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that will prevent anybody from blocking the freeway again. Yeah, but what that starts to do, the precedence is, is that, okay, law enforcement agencies can come in and stop public gatherings yeah. of protest against whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, when you want to do that 60s style protest, no, 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 no. Now, remember, we changed that. We changed that. We don't do that no more. And, and at what, the same point in time, you got to also look at it. Framework. When you are able to invite that type of fuckery in our lives, what are we really going to be able to say? And what are we really going to be able to do in the confines of being able to voice our our displeasure, our, our frustration? And sometimes that's the only thing people can do then run and go get a gun and start shooting police themselves. Okay. Because in, in, in keeping with that, there was another protest that just happened with some other real world fuckery that's happening under Donnie T. Under number 45, there was a protest about the proposed bill uh, for the new Health Care Act. So when when this first bill and let, let's just let you know on this is how this this administration is running. This bill was put together without a single public hearing or a public draft session, meaning all of this was a closed door meeting. They all got together, said what they wanted to have, and then presented this bill for the new Health Care Act, which is supposed to be the antithesis to the Affordable Health Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. So Donnie T and all of them got together. This creates it's a 142 page bill. 
which goes that's first off the bill don't need to be 142 page if you're not familiar with how big bills are 142 pages is a long ass bill with a whole bunch of extra stuff in it and <laughs> it's extra a, stuff that usually fucks you over exactly it's it's massive medicaid cuts and, and it's to address the law that made having health care mandatory and planned parenthood cuts as well so so the the the, the tax cuts are to to avoid the the insurance. So here's the the basic breakdown of it is is that it's uh, the ability for states to develop what they want to actually have covered. So right now there's you know uh, maternity, uh, emergency, mental health, all that stuff that was incorporated in the Affordable Health Care Act bill. They want to wipe all that out. So what they're going to do is they won't make it mandatory for you to have insurance. But what they're going to do is give you like car insurance. We kind of talked about it a little second before. If depending upon what kind of car you have, if your car is a certain age, you can't get full coverage on it. Most basic insurance companies won't cover you because the the risk is too high of a factor. Yeah. They want to make that implemented into healthcare. So and it, it won't be based upon your age. It's going to be they can sit there and say an insurance company can say we're not covering mental health stuff. We're not covering maternity stuff. We're not covering emergency. Like with all these different things, they'll no longer be have to cover. Or they're going to do these exorbitant fees for you to be able to do it. So not only is it going to go, it's it's going to drastically affect anybody who's on the economic struggle side of the game. So if your paper ain't straight, you you are not even going to be able to afford insurance. So it, it's going to strictly be uh, a big payday for folks who have money. And if you are on the lower end of the economic spectrum, you're, you are about to be ass out like a G straight. So this is what they this is what they want trying to get passed through right now. And so when this came out, a bunch of people, vets, uh, people like it was like a wheelchair protest almost. All these people were like who have all these preconceived problems. Some of them like said who just have problems for years. They're like based upon what you're trying to pre- prevent, nobody will cover me. Yeah. Like the, in in Medicaid, you want to cut the 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 federal based funding where y'all where the state takes care of me you want to get rid of that and then you have companies that won't ever cover me so basically you're saying the way that we're going to address poor people is just let them die yeah i mean they, they, the, when i read it it's just ridiculous i mean there's all these pre-existing conditions that someone has one of those yeah somebody has something on that list the list goes from i mean this to that to that and the other it just <laughs> see this is a problem when um, you know, our good counterparts, good white folks, really buy into the bravado of you know Donald Trump and make America great again, or AKA make America white again. They honestly believe that he speaks for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. And what he does is he speaks for the rich, Class. AKA classism. Classism. So when you when you find and you're you're doing all this stuff because you're so so in that moment of I cannot lose this white privilege this 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 white acceptance because my people have had the power and have been the stable of what is actually right in the world worldwide white people feel that they walk on um, gold streets and they fly above uh, oceans and things of that nature when you come back down to reality and you figure out like mm, your pay grade doesn't live up to what donnie yeah donnie don is he's not to talking together, to you you then have to start asking yourself and realize maybe all of this push for donnie and all of this white power and all this supremacy that i'm kicking 
doesn't really help work because I'm really in the class of the 1% and that becomes the defined laughable moment that I have when I see white folk not think that you just in the same boat as me. The only reason that you move differently is because of your skin privilege. That's it. You're pale. And what this American world is based off is this pale power. But at that, when it comes down to the breakage of uh, Big Bank play, uh, takes Little Bank, Big Bank always wins. And you are right with me with Little Bank. Yeah, because it, 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 tying all these things together, if you don't believe that that's the case or you don't think we're talking to you, uh, as it, when you really start to put this stuff together where you're, you're – uh, your your health insurance coverages are are lax. Grandma can't get her Medicaid anymore. You know your your wife is is very limited on what the maternity coverage is based upon the policy that you have. Uh, the the exorbitant fees and the constant increase of of college tuitions. The 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 unemployment rate which is going through. Then you start finding yourself where you want to protest or you want to have issues or you want to confront certain things. Uh, the police state in which you live in, where your voice is gradually taken away from you one day at a time, the militarization of the police department in your city, which won't allow you to come together and speak on things. And then when they start flexing on you, like, which is the plan? Because when when it really starts to hit middle of the road, white America, that's when you're going to start to see some unrest and really start seeing some shakeup. They've already put in place. They're already ready for you. So now all these things that you keep thinking are so many years down the road and so removed and detached from your existence, you're going to find yourself in 2020, 2025, speaking what we was talking about in 92. Yes, sir. Because it's finally going to be on your doorstep. Yes, sir. Like there are some things that are being in place. I, I said before, you know, in this this country, you know, uh, racism is the smoke. Classism is the fire. Yeah. What, what a lot of people keep equating to to black and white issues is a class issue. When you're at a certain pinnacle financially, everybody below you are just broke MFers. Yes, sir. Like, I don't care what color you are. You a broke Mexican. You a broke Asian. You a broke, broke Middle Eastern. Broke Negro. Broke Caucasian. Yep. All those things that go through. If you don't have, if if you can't afford the cover charge, you're gonna be outside. Yep. And the things that we're talking about and saying something about are things that are going to hit everybody. So this need to get involved, this need to be aware, like the, the, the law enforcement laws, these new bills, this Medicaid stuff, all these things are very, very real. And if we don't start getting ourselves involved, everybody's going to find themselves in trouble. Remember, Obamacare was the worst thing that ever happened to America. Hear them tell it. I mean, <laughs> just so so the fact that you guys really, really just hated a black figure that in my uh honest opinion believe that they put in you know i don't really believe it was democracy because how can you have democracy in a, such a racist uh place in america then when you look at obamacare obamacare uh I, last time i remember it helped a lot of poor white folk or middle class white folks it helped a lot of rich white people too and a little bit of everything right yeah so now just because the fact that the name Obamacare, which is not even really what it's called, but it's been labeled that. The Affordable and the Care fact, Act. The Affordable Care Act. The fact that that has a black face, that has a black man pushing it, that just shows you how petty, you know, white folks can actually really be. How petty, how, how 
we go into this box of why they'll never tell the truth about the American history in its full length of how everybody really got here, of who really had the power before and how they took the power after. They don't really talk or want to discuss that because that would be feeble. That would make them look weak. White America always wants to be the strongest, always wants to be the first and always wants to have the interests of those people that they're protecting. And those people that they're protecting is those who have the money and the power, because I think there's three things that we all want from life. We want to have power. We want to have resources. And we want to have access. And until the, the rich folk of whites that, that have that kind of these three gems, as I would like to call them, wants to kind of provide and piece it out. Because can you imagine genetically superior black folks having power, resources and access? What would we do with that? It would look different out here. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, because I, I and go with what you're saying. I think what some people you, you, they may not get is so that that elite level, that, that, that upper echelon economically that runs this country. um. What, what you want to get is that it goes on what we talked about before about the fear safe, because that fear safe campaign is allowing them to double down. So when the Affordable Health Care Act was packed and everybody had to have mandatory insurance coverage and, and instantly, what was it, um, 30, roughly 30 million Americans. Let me get it, let's not get it twisted. It wasn't perfect, but it was a, a move to something. This yeah. shit right here is crazy. Yeah, but, but, this, but this is this is why you don't know you're getting screwed. This is how you wake up. Uh, you're pregnant one day because you didn't realize you just got fucked by the system. So the Affordable Health Care Act went, was passed through and it, and roughly 30 to 40 million Americans instantly had coverage. So when you have coverage, what that means is that you're not coming out of pocket solely for everything that you need. But it doesn't mean that hospitals and medicaid and, and pharmaceutical companies don't get paid. It just means they don't get paid by you. So. They got an increase in all the pharmaceutical sales that went through these hospitals when that got kicked in. So here's what's going to happen. They want to go through and repeal what that was and implement a new system which will exponentially pay them greater. So what you're paying now was a mandatory $800, $900 you get hit if you don't have coverage. You're thinking the fear is, see, we we, we want to we look out for you Americans. We don't want you to have to pay for these poor people who can't get their own coverage. We don't want to take money out of your pocket to pay for them over there because they're too lazy or they're not driven or they don't want to take care of themselves. You shouldn't have to take care of the bottom level of society. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to pay for these lazy people over there. OK, so let's re let's reverse that and put in a new policy which jacks your rates up through the roof. So, no, you're not paying for them on the side of, of the other side of town anymore. You're paying for you, but you're paying a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And so now the people that are on the upper echelon are making even more money. They figured out a way to get you to buy into a way that F's yourself because they got you so timid that you're going to hook up somebody you don't like or got you so afraid that you're being forced to pay for coverage for somebody else to where we're going to put the keys back in your hand. Give you more control over your life, only we're going to quadruple your payments to do so. Yeah, well, America, we, we are in this world of we have to pay, we have to pay, we have to pay, we have to pay for something. I knew we were coming to the, the short end of our stick when I had to walk into a grocery store and I got to pay 10 cents. Yep. Some places 15, right, for a bag. Even more down south. <laughs> this That's like ridiculous. 25 cents down down. So, so the notion that. People are just looking at certain individuals like you're a lady, lazy mother effer, and that's what it is. It's a conception 
uh, the fact that we we look at black folk as like they're the only ones on welfare and need the assistance when it's mostly white folks. Yeah. If you want to play the law of average, it scares so, me. Not to interrupt you, we're not number one in anything except for mass incarceration, right? No, no, no. I mean, there's this notion that we're the most of. We're not the most on welfare. We're not the most. Of, we just we're, we're numerically population not enough yeah. to be the most of anything. Well, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. But but for every so when you so for anybody who hears who thinks that we're committing the most crimes, no, no we're not. No, we're, we're 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 doing the most. No, we're not. Yeah, well, no, we're not. yeah but I'm saying, but, but just, I didn't interrupt you. But that's that's the narrative. That's yeah, the, exactly. that we are. But it's it's been framed. Yeah, that frame worked because you don't see a whole bunch of white welfare uh, uh, mamas and fathers plugged out. Mm, they're not and, the face of poverty. You know, the pa- face of poverty is black. Um, the, the the face of crime is black. Uh, the face of dysfunction is black, black. right? <laughs> the face of, you know, sports is, is black, but controlled by white. So it's always been a, a, a moment where blacks are always getting the short end of the stick. When you see this frame and you break it down, if we cannot just simply in America go to the basics of just covering people for health concerns, health issues, the fact that most of what they give us is making us sick anyway. Yeah. Right. Starting in the grocery store. Most of what they gave us, we have been bamboozled to the point where when a lot of us gave up our land to go into this economic boom or when the industry boom, right, where we're no longer creating our own livestock and farms and things of that nature, bartering from, um, you know, our neighbor, but allowing government to control base and having them say, here's your chicken, here's your broccoli, <laughs> here's this big supermarket that don't, don't care too much of nothing about you, that are slaughtering the chickens and the cows however they want, and yeah. injecting antibiotics to make your food look like, what the hell is this? And now these bodies are going grotesquely out of proportion. As soon as we did these things, we created a, a, a form of saying we don't matter about what we feel, how we're going to operate. It only matters on what you feel. And that's the government. So we've been so deluded to believe that the government has our best interests because why would they ever do anything to disrupt the psyche or make us believe we cannot trust them why would the government that i pay my tax money why would this system that has these amendments that protect me why would they do anything to shame or make me feel like i'm lower than yeah because that just wouldn't be what this country's built on no why would it be that because it's never (laughs) been no 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 no, no, it's never been that right that's what it is and that's why I, i i get sick and i get tired like negroes wake up and let's start moving in power and stop begging. That's it's been my motto for a while. That's why with this whole Black Lives Matter, I respect and I understand it. But I am not going to force anybody to change their mind about me. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to say this is what we're going to do. We're going to build. Then if we have a problem then, then we just have a problem then. But the simple fact that I don't know how many lashes that black people need to take on the back to where they really realize this is enough's enough. We got to get off this plantation because we're still on it. And just do for self, yo. Do for self. Because we don't do for self, man. We're going to continue being in this spiral act, this this journey, this roller coaster ride that has gotten us nowhere. And effectively, when you think about all of these things, this is going to be a big cash cow for the medical world. Yeah, because if you're if you're black in this country in America, 
the best way that I always equate it to is that how we look for systemic approval, how we look to be accepted on all planes and all all areas from from the systemic group that's running things to me is like the, the, the kid who's sitting on the front porch waiting for daddy to come back like we, 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 we treat we, we treat the system in America like an absentee father. Like we've romanticized who he is, you know, in, in our minds, our daddy's some big hero, some big star who one day is going to see the light and come home and swoop us up and be the dad that he never was. No. But it's not going to happen. Not at all. I say all the time, daddy ain't coming. Like there has to be the realization that there will never be that degree of acceptance, equal playing field and one for one that we want to see until. And let's, let's just throw this out there real quick. We are in a position to where stuff's going to change. Like if you are not familiar, just not even this probably be a whole show in itself. This little thing that's happened. There's something that's happened in America that that is real. So for the first time in American history, the Caucasian mortality rate has exceeded the birth rate. Mm. So the stuff that you hear about white people speaking for years about they're taking over, we're losing everything. This genetically is actually happening. So this is the first time that white people are dying at a rate faster than they're breeding. So between immigration and between interracial dating, because you have white people that are either not having enough kids or they're having kids with people who aren't white. So now that number is actually it went from stagnant to decline. Mm -hmm. So if things stay the rate that they are, black and brown people typically have more babies. Mm -hmm. We we, we have kids at a higher rate. White people aren't having as many and they're not having as many with other white people. So before it reaches a point to where it really hits the fan and that number really tilters, please believe they are not going to give up the ball willingly. Why would they want to give up their power? I'm saying that if you think that that if you think things have been bad before, when it reaches the point to where that percentage really starts to teeter and, and the representation really comes into play where white people, the population number shifts. Yeah. If you think that that's just going to be a, a, a easel baton handover. No. That we're going to give this nation up, a white Christian nation, that we're going to just have, pass the baton to black and brown people oh, who yeah. become the, the populated majority. This is where I'm saying all these things come in. This is where the militarization of the police department matters. Yeah. This is where the convict lease system matters. This is where the, the, the preschool to prison pipeline matters. This is where all these things that, that, that are coming into these systemic issues that can oppress and legally shut you down and legally incarcerate you or legally assassinate you. These things matter. And if you don't think that they will, when that really hits and that population shift, they're projecting somewhere around 2030, 2040. When it's just when it teeters, please believe there's going to be some BS before that date comes. That's why you have to say something. And anybody that thinks that you're talking crazy or racist rhetoric, you stay on course because that's just someone just trying to take you off your ball game. And having you defer from the reality and the truth. Always speak truth to power and always speak race first because this is all about race first. They want to stay in power because I know for a fact how white people move and react. They will not be able to survive in jungle times. There, and, and like I said, it, 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 it is not going to be a case of, okay, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. There's going to be some consequences no, and repercussions. If they, if they were ever wanted to, to you know, and I don't know how much time we got left, but if they ever really wanted to share the ball, reparations would have been it would have been happened, been happened, right? The no. checks would have been made. You know, they know, and what 
black folk have to understand, listen, my man, listen, sister, <clears throat> you had a place to where all these resources was stolen for a reason. You were shipped here for a reason. It wasn't because they just needed extra manpower. They had manpower. They just didn't know how to accurately create what you had there in Africa over wherever they want to lay foundation in. They didn't know how to do that. Like we have to understand that it wasn't a fact of all. Oh, we just will. We don't have any workers. No. Matter of fact, we don't know how to do half the shit. We don't know how to survive. Teach us the way. And when you teach them the way, and when you're able to rip and rape the resources of a country, and you know, navigate it to somewhere else, when you're able to divide, conquer, and still continue to. Uh, brain fuck a person and a people to the point where in 2017 they still don't even know how much power they truly have that's pimping on a one on one for real because all these things that go on out here are things that are ultimately going to touch everybody and we have to be aware of not just being caught up in the short game not just being caught up in being entertained not being caught up in the narratives that are being presented to us, but actually being mindful and aware of what's really, really happening. It may require a little extra research. It may require a little less movie or NBA time. It may require going to some school board meetings, being involved in these right conversations to plan ahead. But what these days are coming ahead are coming ahead. We're not just talking fable tales, fairy tales and, and, and stories of, of, of radical talk. These are some real world things that are happening that we're going to have to be aware of and mindful of to maneuver through not only for our lives, but for the children and the legacy and the lifetimes that are to follow us. These are not just things that we can just sit quietly about. These are things that we're going to have to say something about. Say something, say something, say something. I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axius. Barry Axius, Facebook at Instagram at Team Void, Barry Axis on Twitter, all the same name. Um, Jermaine Morris on Facebook, every other social media platform, it's at J Morris CEO. Also, remember you hit the blog, a moment with Morris.com, as well as Black Blueprints with a Z. Black Blueprints with a Z.com. This is the Say Something podcast. And until next show, yes, sir. We'll holler at you later.